um, uh, with us today. Um, we welcome those that might be tuning in by the live stream. We found out something <clears throat> last week very important. Uh, last week there was some type of technical difficulties with a lot of the social media on computers. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, some of those things did a nationwide crash. And um, that's one reason why we didn't air Wednesday night. It couldn't, wasn't working. wasn't none of our problems, but it was... Facebook itself, there's a lot of other churches that went live stream that couldn't do so. But what we found out was Facebook quit working and the world kept turning. Hello? Amen. And the Lord might let a few other things happen in the near future to let some of us know we can even get by without cell phones. I don't know if I ought to say this next thing or not, but some people put more dependence in their iPhone than they do the Lord. Uh-oh, as they used to say, Brother Pruitt's done quit preaching, gone to meddling now. Hallelujah. But um, uh, the more and more that we get ourselves connected with um, technology, you don't never know what's going to transpire or take place. It, I tell you one thing, all the connection, you know, I guess you've heard that they're going to they're gonna increase the number of cell phone towers you liable to hear some banging one day in your yard and see them putting one up in your yard because they are fixing to go to 5G nationwide. And um, uh, somebody said, when is all that going to stop? i tell you when it's going to stop. When they finally get everybody connected and all they got to do is put the 666 there and they got you. Some people still don't understand that that's how it's all coming together, but it's coming together that way. Amen. But I'm glad to be in the house for the Lord today. Thankful, thankful for His goodness and His um, and His grace, because God is so good to us. Hallelujah. Amen. When I came in this morning, uh, the latter part of uh, uh, the Bible class. I noticed Brother uh, Douglas was talking about the promise of God and when God makes promises. And uh, I said, well, thank you, Lord, that you gave me a confirmation uh, because um, that's what was put on my heart to speak to you about a few minutes uh, today. Again, I hope that I can see some of you at the uh, missions conference coming up this week. Uh, I believe it's going to be a great conference, and uh, I'm excited about it. Um, uh, we have been making plans ourselves to make um, a transition, 
to uh, make uh, to do our missions trip uh, to uh, uh, Rwanda, and um, things are beginning to fall in place. Everything I do, you know, you can always you can always know when God is with you in something uh, because He just kind of takes over and works everything out. And uh, that is that is happening, and um, so we are excited about that, and I hope you are praying. The closer we get to that date, um, we're going to, um, uh, we've done this a lot around here for Brother Murray and his missions trip to um, uh, South Africa, that he has people and churches do uh, fasting and prayer to keep a prayer covering over him while he is gone, and uh, I'm hoping to get some folks that will stand behind their pastor and do the same thing for us while we are there, um, that um, uh, God's will will be done. I told Sister Darlene, I said, I don't, under, I don't understand this. She said, what? Said here I said here I am getting getting uh, as old as I am. I says why did why didn't God lead me to do something like this when I was much younger? Uh, and uh, but um, uh, but I can I can say one thing for certainty that I know God has called me to do what I'm going to do. Uh, I've act I've actually in terms of Rwanda. And I think I told everybody this uh, months months back. I had a greater experience, a greater spiritual experience, when God dealt with me about this country uh, than even when I did when I was I was called into the ministry. Um, and um, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know God's going to do some powerful things. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to the book of Second Peter today. Uh, and we're going to read out of Second Peter, the first chapter. The first four verses of Scripture. And I covet your prayers. And this is what it reads like. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtain like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through, that, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. According to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us. Look at somebody and say, we've been given something. Exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, we thank you for you allowing us to be here today in your house. We thank you, God, for everyone that is here. We pray for those that are not here, those that are out of town, asking God you to use this vessel today to speak your perfect will. And everything is accomplished. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. I want to speak to you today on a subject titled, The Value of a Promise of God. It says on the screen, a promise, but it's supposed to be a, a promise of God. The value of a promise of God. The reason why I say of God, let me see a show of hands today. How many have ever been somebody's made you a promise in your life? We've all been given promises, haven't we? Uh, and the promises that we get uh, how valuable are those promises? Now, we're going to contrast a promise given to us by just average people compared to the promises that God gives us. Now, just to kind of refresh your memory just a little bit, I went to Mr. Webster, and I, I wanted to see what he had to say about this word promise. And he broke it down in two different parts, A and B. Number A, it said a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. A promise is a declaration that one will do something or refrain from doing something specified. And part B, this was, this was also true for years and years just until recently, within the last the last fifteen or twenty years, but it said a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of a specified act. In other words, for many, many years in this nation and many other nations, a promise made 
was on the law books in many jurisdictions as being legally binded. Amen. And to give you one example, I'll give you one example of that. This goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. It began in the Middle Ages, about the time period there, Deacon Douglas was born. <laughs> Hallelujah. Until the early 20th century, a man's promise, if a man made a promise of engagement to marry a lady, in most American jurisdictions, it was considered a legally binding contract. Just the promise of it. If the man were to subsequently change his mind, in other words, he wanted to back out about six months or so, he would have said, according to law, to be in breach of promise. And there could be litigation brought against him. That's only that's that's one major way, and it, I went on as I read down there. It said that that has been taken off most law books in most states now. So, ladies, you can't hold it to us no more. But I found this interesting, in, interesting, brother Wayne. Why that a breach of promise? They've not made it. Uh, legally as, as anymore because of this. Changing social attitudes toward morals. Changing social attitudes toward morals have led to the decline of this sort of action anymore. Most jurisdictions now, at least in English-speaking uh, countries, uh, have become increasingly reluctant to intervene in cases of personal relationships not involving, if it's not involving the welfare of children or violence of some kind. What it's actually saying is that we don't have the moral standings no more that we used to have. My father was born in 1901, and that man could go out and buy a farm. He could buy a tractor. He could buy anything he wanted to for years and years down to the bank to get the money and, not, and do nothing just on a handshake. Because in this country, at one time, a person's word was their bond. So what is the value of a promise? <laughs> Some of y'all could remember 
the promise made by one president that we had. He passed away not too long ago. And this is the main reason why he, he was not reelected to the second term. Read my lips. No new taxes. So what's the value of a promise? The value of a promise made is only as good as the character of the one making the promise. Kind of like I, I've saw and I've seen a sign in a lot of businesses I go to. A lot of them have a sign, especially in mechanic shop. I worked in auto mechanics for years, know a little bit about that. And in a lot of the shops that I've been in and I worked in, that have a sign up and said, "In God we trust; all others pay cash." Because when a promise is made. The value of that promise is only as good as the character of the one making the promise. So, let's talk about the value of a promise of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For some of the promises of God, Did I misread that? <laughs> For all the promises of God in him are yes. Now, in the, in the original King James, it says are yea. But that word yea means yes. All the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen, or so be it, to the glory of God through us. Hallelujah. I want to read that verse again in two more modern translations. Uh, a lot of the new translations I don't recommend for somebody to, to throw away the King James and go to something else because unless you really understand the original language, and I, and I, I have studied Greek. I know enough, enough Greek to be, be dangerous. But I do, I do look at some of the others to try to make some comparisons. And one, one modern translation that a lot of people use for study today is called the message. This is what the message says. Now, they don't have this on our screen, but so listen to me close. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Woo, I like that. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together gloriously evident God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. One more is the J.P. Phillips 
has a translation of just the New Testament, and this is his translation. Every promise of God finds its affirmative in him, and through him can be said the final amen to the glory of God. The last part, listen to this close. We owe our position in Christ to this God of positive promise. We had uh, both our daughters out the house this past week, and I appreciate them so much. Um, they got together and, and came out, and um, Sister Darlene, for years and years, she's always been a craft person, and um, God helped the men that are married to women who are into crafts. Hallelujah, because if you go to a store somewhere just to pick up one thing, you're going to come back to a carload. Everything you see, oh, man, I can use that for this or I can use that for that or to make this or to make that. Having a tendency to forget God's the only creator. I might have to eat supper at somebody else's house tonight. But <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, I lost my train of thought now. Uh, she has, a, due to her health, and mainly because you know the accident years ago, there's a whole lot she has not been able to do. And uh, there's her craft room has had gotten in such a, a, a bad shape, and the girls um, came out and. Worked two long days uh, getting a lot of that stuff up, getting that stuff cleared out for her so she can get back in there to uh, do what she can do in some areas. And um, we were sitting at the, ki at the kitchen table uh, eating a bite of lunch or something one of those days, and um, Jennifer was talking, and we were talking about, you know, we recently had uh, gotten our, our place, uh, you know, paid for. She said, you, uh, you mean your, everything? I said, yeah, we got all that. Thanks for the Lord. I said, it's, it's really hard to imagine. I said, because I remember, and, uh, and Sister Mary here, she got all over pastor's toes this morning, not even knowing about it, talking about when God tells you something. She said, you know, talking about God had told her something was taken care of. He's got it. She said it, she felt like it should be doubting God if she'd come up here and ask somebody to pray for it. And there's, there's, there's a lot of truth in that, sister. Amen. Because when God tells you he's got it, all the promises in him are Yes. Well, you know how it is when you buy something for the first time. Well, uh, we went in there and we, you know, we'd uh, uh, sit down there and they started shelling out all those different kind of contracts and all those kind of papers. 
uh, and uh, this was uh, back in 1999. And man, and I looked down there, and I, I, I seen, I, I seen that, uh, seen that payment, and uh, what it was going to be, and you know, well, well over a thousand dollars. I, man, I, I was, I was bit out of shape, to say the least. But see, now here's where Sister Mary got all over pastor's toes. I don't do nothing without praying, fasting, seeking God. And I never have asked God one time where he wouldn't give me an answer. But sometimes, and I know the women that give me an amen on this, sometimes men especially are kind of stubborn. And I was fast, and I was praying. So, Lord, do I need to do this? Do I need to do this? I not only was concerned for myself, I mean, I've always... My family tell you this, I put the church ahead of everything. And the, the church had come in and agreed to make uh, 50% of the payments since it was not not a, a parsonage and everything. But So I really had this burden on me, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't messing up. And I told Jennifer, I said, I said, God told me about as plain as you could be told, but I still had doubts. She said, well, how do you tell you? I said, well, I was fasting. And I says, Lord, do you want me to buy this? Of course, the first thing was, was a five-acre lot first that we were buying to put the house on. Do you want me to make this move? Do you want me to do this? And I opened my Bible, and I've got it marked. I opened my Bible, and I looked straight down, and so help me with God's my witness standing here. The Scripture, uh, Sister Dell, that I read, it says, Buy the field and pay for it with the money. And I asked all, and I said, What money? She says, The money God's going to provide. So I'm talking to you today about the value of a promise of God. Don't count on a politician's promise. I, I, I did some research. I was trying to do some research on promises made through history, famous promises that were kept. But every time I go back and look at it, I always give me a long list of promises that was made by politicians not kept. But there was one in history of a famous man the Lord God knows we need some generals like him today 
But Douglas MacArthur in World War II, Brother Wayne will know exactly where I'm coming from here, I'm sure. He was forced to leave the Philippines, not because he wanted to, but he got orders from the president at the time telling him to get out. But as he was leaving, he made the promise, I shall return. That was in 1942, and in 1944, he was back, and he made an announcement after he made the beachhead, and the radio went all over to the people of the Philippines. He, he told me, he said, I have come back. Hallelujah. That's, that's a value of a good promise, can you say amen? But there is no promise from ever have been made that is good as the promise God has made to me and you. Now, some people sing a little chorus, so I don't like to sing it because I'm gonna tell you right off now. I don't want I don't I don't want to sing that little chorus. Every promise in the book is mine because every promise in here ain't good promises. There's some promises made in here to things. That people's gonna that they're disobedient to God, and I don't want no part of. Amen. Hallelujah! But now let's talk about the value of the promise of God. Now, man, I've got to hurry up. He said, "Exceeding great and precious promises." Now, when I look that up in the Greek, that exceeding great it don't have a comma between. Exceeding great, but it's one word in the Greek. Exceeding great. And the Greek word is mega. Now, some of y'all people let, some of y'all people let to buy some of them scratch off uh, cards at the, when you go get gas. I'm sure familiar with a term that says mega bucks. Mega bucks. We understand when they talk about something being mega. Well, look at that in the scripture that I read there. Amen. In in, in first in in, uh, in Second Peter, excuse me. He said in verse 4, whereby are given unto us mega and precious promises. Now let's talk about some of these right quick. John 3, chapter 3, verses 14 and 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, I've got to intervene something right here. And you check me out all you want because I guarantee if you check me out, you'll find I'm right. I have heard people use the phrase, the Son of Man being lifted up. That's talking about us lifting him up and praise. That ain't got nothing to do with that. That word, the Son of Man being lifted up, being lifted up meant being crucified. That was a side term that they used to call being crucified back in those days sometimes. 
just like Moses made that serpent and, and raised it up on the pole, he's saying, Son of Man is going to be raised up. He's going to be lifted up. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Let's go ahead and read. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's a mega promise, folks. Now my heart's heavy today because I got a I got a text message yesterday morning. from a member of my family telling me that that my nephew was going to be transferred from someone hospital to a hospice center. He's only 59 year old. His son, Daniel, contacted me, wanted me to know, he said, you see, my nephew has spent his life on alcohol and all those things and Smoking, I don't know how many packs of cigarettes a day, and now taking a toll. And because of the life that he has chosen to live, and as Daniel told me, said, "I know me and Daddy ain't never been close, but I don't want to see him die." Because he is my dad. And he says, Now, my great nephew, I don't, don't know him very well, but he was at my brother's funeral that I preached. And he said, I remember how you preached at granddad's funeral. He said, He said, You had. He said, I felt like I need to let you know about that. I said, well, uh, he, can't, he can't survive without the oxygen mask. When I went in, he recognized me. He knew who I was. And uh, I called him a name, and I told him, I says, look, I said, none of us know when we're going to leave this world. I said, have you given any thought? And there, he said, I got all kind of thought. I said, Daniel, 
She said, no. I said, Danny, are you? I said, are you ready to meet the Lord? And what broke my heart is she said, no. Let me tell you something. We can go about our life doing our own thing, not thinking about nobody else, all that we want to. But I'm telling you right now, there's going to come a reckoning day for every man and woman in this house. The Word of God says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And I told him, I says, I says, it ain't hard. It ain't hard to get to get ready. I said, Jesus did the hard part on Calvary. I said, can I pray with you? I said, will you pray with me? He shook his head, and I took him by the hand and began to pray. And I told him, I said, all you've got to do is repent. All you've got to do is tell God you're sorry. The devil's got so many people hoodwinked in this world thinking that they've been too bad and done too much wrong. But I, the Bible that I read says, where sin abounds great, there's so much more abound. And the grace of God is greater. I don't even any sin anybody can. He prayed. But he was so weak I couldn't hear what he was saying. And before I got through my from the nurse's station and he said I've got, I've got to get more oxygen in him so it's dropping down it was dropping down in the 70s and then there wasn't but a few minutes that the ambulance came to take him to to a hospice center but I'm telling you right now about the value of a promise of God that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life is a promise of God. Do you hear me tonight now? Eternal life is a promise of God. John 3 and 36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. What does that mean? Let me tell you. When I was born in this world, I was born with God's wrath on me. I was born with it. Because like David, I was shaping in iniquity. The sin of Adam was in me. But Jesus Christ came to eradicate that, to rid me of that. Hallelujah. And I've got a promise of God that if I believe him, and if I obey him, it can be taken care of. First John chapter 2, verse 25. And this is the promise that he had promised us even eternal life.
that phrase eternal life might not mean much to you right now, but I guarantee you it'll mean a lot to you when you're laying on your deathbed. You see every person from every walk of life and every language and tongue who has ever been born since Adam. And they got a picture you're going to put up. Has ended up in a grave somewhere. Everybody ever born has ended up in a grave. You are not going to get out of this world alive on your own. Everybody's headed there, some before others. But I'm talking about the value of a promise of God. And God has given mortal man the greatest promise that a mortal man can have, and that's eternal life. Sister Darlene and I made one recording years ago, one 45, I, I found, I got, there's one copy, I guess, known to man. That we recorded years ago while we was evangelizing and traveling, preaching revivals and singing. The flip side of the song, the first, the side one was a song that I wrote. But the flip side of the song we sung, I can still see old brother Charles Shelton back there. Picking out that guitar, I, I almost had a shout and spill in their recording studio. Says this, and this is a whole lot more true right now than it was way back then. Because I sung the song back then, but my body didn't know nothing about it, but it knows about it now. But it says, I know my limbs will grow old and weary by and by, and vision will fade away from these aging eyes. Oh, yes, this old body is going to lay down and die. But no, 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 not I. I never die. There's going to come a day, unless the rapture comes, that they're going to wheel a casket through those double doors, and it's going to lay right there, and this old flesh of mine's going to be laying right there. But don't you let nobody say Sammy Prude is dead, because I'm going to be alive. I'm going to be a shouting and a dancing, hallelujah. Because like that song says, no, no, not I, not I, I'll never die. I'm only going to move to my home on high. How, how, how do you know that for sure? Because somebody's given me a promise and the value of the one who gave it to me, I think very highly of. Woo! Because he's made a lot of promises to me in my life. And he ain't broke one yet. 
John 4 and 10. Bear with me just a few more minutes. John 4 and 10 through 14. Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you linen water. The woman said to him, Sir, you've got nothing to draw with and the well is weep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? If she only knew. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, my, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus answered and said in her, verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up under everlasting life. No, no, not I, not I. What of this is whether this is some of my kin folks or yours, or whether it be me or you. But I'm telling you right now, and I'm fixing to bring this message to your close. I'm telling you, dying without Jesus is the most ridiculous thing a person could ever do. Because the promise was made to us all. Have you ever seen somebody make a make a, 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 a decision and the decision they made got them in trouble where it was trouble with the law or some kind of trouble and you and you thought about what they did and you could and maybe you thought in your mind how in the world could they do something so stupid? When Ronnie was little, he He opened himself up. But he found a bobby pin that belonged to his mama, and he goes waddling over to a, to a wall socket and sticks it in there. All, all his mama could hear was a scream. She goes running in there, and there again, the hand of God, it, gets, it got so hot it, turned, it melted, left part of it sticking in there, and the other branded there in, in his little hand. If it hadn't been for that, he would have been electrocuted. I think she's still got one slip of that somewhere around the house. And when I look at a bobby pin, and I look at something like that, I say, how in the world can you do something so stupid? (laughs) 
I'm glad that God considers all of us his babies. And Brother Ricky, you don't disown us just because we do things stupid because I've done my share. And just like a mama that would hear something like that happen, she wouldn't go in there and stand off to the side and say, well, go ahead and burn, you stupid baby. But you know what? The devil's got some people thinking God will do it to you. But I want you to know God loves you better than anybody in this room or anybody in this world. God loves you better than what your own mama would love you. One final scripture, and I'm going to close. John 6, I like what I'm reading out of John, so I'm going to just stay in there. John 6, 35 and 37. I'm talking about the value of the promise of God. Judas said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Whether it's my nephew laying on, the, on a deathbed, or no matter who it is, it don't matter what you've done or what you ain't done, you got a promise of God that if you come to him, he ain't going to cast you away. He ain't going to cast you out. He's going to stand there like the father of the prodigal son with open arms. Say, welcome home. Welcome home. That's the value of the promise of God.